Welcome to CruxCast. Whether you're in your car, at work, or at home, we hope you enjoy this interview. And if you do, you can find more like it on cruxinvestor.com. So please subscribe. Hey, man, it's good to see you again. And for those who don't know me, my name is Mark Chalmers. I'm president and CEO of Energy Fuels. Uh, Energy Fuels is um, emerging as the largest critical minerals producer uh, in all of North America, perhaps the world, with our uh, focus being on uranium number one, um, rare earth production and processing number two, and then vanadium production number three, followed by some recycling. So we're very exciting uh, opportunity for investors, and we're emerging very quickly on this whole all things critical minerals. Mr. Chalmers, lovely to see you again. Hope you are well. Thought I'd uh, phone you. You've been busy since we spoke back in uh, June. Um, the first question is, what on earth is going on in the uranium market? Everything's taken a little uh, bit of a nosedive. Yeah, Matt, I think that um, you know people are waiting for the price uranium to start responding in a material way. Uh, you know, It's kind of stuck in that $32, $33 per pound. We all know that the price of uranium has to go up substantially more than that, um, you know, probably north of 50 to really start um, delivering newly produced uranium at any kind of a margin. Um, so, yeah, I think I think the market was moved really quickly and I think the future looks very bright. Um, but I think people want to see the price of uranium move accordingly. And um, so I think that once it starts to move, you'll see equity start to move with it again. Yeah, it's, it's an interesting times. I think we saw another kind of catalyst moment yesterday, which was the um, Spurt, the, uh, the Sprott Physical Uranium Trust launch went live up 25%. So it got a good reception, but it wasn't enough to um, get people moving on the uh, junior uranium equities. What's it going to take? Well, look, I mean, you know, the, the Sprott Uranium Trust is new, and, and I think there's some excitement behind that for a lot of reasons, a lot of good reasons. Um, you know, the uraniums, like you said, like you said, have been sort of punished in the last uh, couple of weeks, uh, maybe getting a little bit of a lift today. Um, so, you know, I think that, you know, when you look at, again, this, this continued focus on, on reducing carbon emissions, um, you know, the announcements from TerraPower, you know, that is is owned by Bill Gates on the building of a small modular reactor in Wyoming. Um, you know, further announcements on uh, additional small modular reactor uh, progress, you know, all bodes well for the future. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see how the next few weeks uh, play out and see how Sprott play uh, the market uh, for sure and, and, and pushing their message into market. Um, notice that you guys have done a deal. You've done a deal with the ICU, uh, International Consolidated Uranium. Are you giving them your good stuff or, 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 or are you keeping that for yourself? Well, we're, we're definitely, um, you know, transacting some really quality projects uh, to, to them. And uh, we're excited about this transaction because, you know, I, think, I don't think people understand uh, the number of projects that we have that are fully permitted, ready to produce um, right now. And, and we only have so much bandwidth and so much time available. So, so this transaction uh, we find um, unique. I don't think anybody's done anything like this uh, where we've taken, you know, some of these projects and we've, 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 we've sold them to, to, to them. Um, we uh, will continue to manage them 
Uh, it comes with a milling agreement. This is the only properties that have a milling agreement. And it is a very attractive milling agreement. Uh, so, you know, we're in, we'll be their largest shareholder. Um, and I'll be on the board uh, to help advise them on how to, you know, get their people to focus on these projects and advance them while we're doing the rest of our uranium uh, projects and the rare earths. But are the projects any good? Yeah, they are good. They're excellent projects. I think, um, you know, if you looked at it, um, these projects are probably better than 50% of the other uranium projects that companies have in the United States and probably around the world. They have a proven production history. They have a proven production history. We know what the costs are. Um, they also include one of the projects called the RIM project, one of the highest grade vanadium projects in the entire world. But as I said, we do not have time to focus on these projects. And coming with a milling agreement, these are um, projects that can go into production in a matter of months, not years, with limited capital investment. So this is, a, this is not an also-run, because we, we see a lot of kind of retread stories, people like dusting stuff off, out of the, you know, pulling them out of the bottom drawer, dusting them off and trying to you know, pump the market for money. You think these projects, these assets that you've done the deal with are good enough to get this company into production, for sure? Yes, for sure. With an improved uranium market, they will go into production. As I said, they, they are, they're developed. They require minimum capital. And if you look at their, their kind of cost structures, fully loaded, uh, including reclamation, they are competitive with other projects, most, and they're better than most other projects in the world. Okay. So you, you've got a tolling agreement with them as well in place. Does that mean you're softening in terms of opening up for other companies tolling their uh, or through your White Mesa mill? No, not at this point in time. This is a unique arrangement. This is a unique arrangement because of our ownership um, uh, in um, International Consolidated Uranium. Um, this is a unique arrangement and it is the best toll milling agreement we have ever put out because of our um, stake in, in the company. So this is a very unique arrangement. Um, it's basically a, a pay as, as they use the facility and uh, it's very attractive. We need feed to the mill, and this is a way to incentivize feed to the mill while we still have the ability to mill um, the ores uh, and participate as a shareholder. So what's, what's the deal look like? Are you incentivized to stay in it, uh, or are you going to be looking to cash out quickly? Oh, we're, we're not planning to cash out quickly. Uh, we think there's some real growth opportunities here and an improving market. Um, I mean, at close it, in cash and shares is probably in the order of around 15, 16 million dollars of cash or shares, which, which can become, become working capital for us. Uh, we plan to hold these shares for certainly the foreseeable future. And then with some other payments, uh, it's probably got a, a sort of a value at, at current um, share prices for international consolidated uranium. You know, close to $25 million. So, you know, if, if um, CUR, you know, shares go up, you know, three, four fold, uh, it can be, you know, quite an attractive investment for us uh, as we go forward. But we want mill feed, we want mines to be developed in the region, and we want partnerships um, like this one 
um, uh, to go forward. But we are not opening the door to toll milling agreements to any other party, particularly at this point in time and, and maybe not even in the future. Understood. Very clear. So have you got other products in your portfolio? Because you said before, it's an extensive portfolio. It's the largest portfolio of uranium vanadium projects in the US. Can you see more deals like this coming down the line? Uh, you know, right now we're, we're not planning to um, divest any more of our uranium assets. I mean, the LaSalle complex is really a complex of about five or six mines, underground mines. Uh, so that's quite a, 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 a you know, package of properties on its own. And we've got Sheep Mountain, we've got Roca Honda, we've got um, Pinion Plain. Um, so we, we've got plenty of projects right now. So, and, um, okay. I just, just, just talking about the way you structure this, because you've not only said tolling, but there's a management fee as well. So you'll be advising them as the best way to, to approach this. Yeah, the, the, um, the, the, the deal is, is that we'll continue to manage these properties. We have people in place, uh, both from an you know, overall management perspective and a maintenance perspective, and they'll pay us uh, a fee to do that. Um, and they'll also pay the holding costs. So this is, again, a very unique um, arrangement. And I think it's really good for both companies. I'm excited about it. I, I, I go back a number of years with Phil Williams and um, know many of the board members at, um, and their company. And so, uh, you know, we, we're, we're, we're tickled with the arrangement. And I think it's going to be a real value creation um, opportunities for, for both groups. Okay, so you, you know them, you rate them, the, the management team, that, that's, that's good. But you also control their destiny somewhat because you, you've got to agree a tolling fee which allows them to make margin. You will be charging them fees for the, the management and advisory um, as well. So, But you've got to give them enough room to breathe and grow too, don't you? So it's a very fine balance you've got to manage. Yeah, look, the, the way it's structured is that, you know, we are, and there's not any big loadings here that are going to be very costly for them. I mean, you know, for example, um, the milling agreement, they basically just pay as they use a facility and they, I think the markup is around 15%. Well, that's a great deal if you only have to pay a 15% load to, um, to, to use a facility. And it, it changes over time a bit, but um, you know, we've made this very attractive for them to produce uranium very quickly and provide feed to the mill. Okay, got it. So no, no one should be talking to the market about tolling uh, White Mesa, except for these guys. That's what I'm hearing. Not at this point in time. You know, we, we, we are very careful with who we do business with. And, um, you know, this is, as I said, a very unique, um, exclusive arrangement with them. Okay. So you're still, you are a uranium company. You're not going to outsource all the uranium components in, in other deals like this. You're still uranium company number one, first and foremost, and then rare earths. Is that right? Correct. Okay, so that's that's the business going forward. Fine. So let's let's talk about let's if we don't mind, let's talk about Rare Earths because you've got a partner in the shape of Neo. I know you've you've had them over um, with you, working with you, and sort of planning. How do you get to the point where you can actually? Um, well, it's self-sustaining. You can process on site. So where are you with those conversations? Well, we've started um, exporting to Estonia the the rare earth carbonate uranium thorium free um, cracked and leached material. 
uh, to Estonia. So that started, I was down at the mill a few weeks ago with, with Neo and Konstantin Karyanopoulos um, just to, to basically recognize the accomplishment of bringing back um, rare earth uh, processing uh, capabilities into the United States. So we're still very excited about that. I mean, this is, this is one that I think the market still trades us as a pure uranium play. And we think that there's a huge opportunity here when you look at like Linus and MP, both between four to six billion US and market cap, uh, we're catching up in leaps and bounds. And the market just, in my opinion, hasn't really figured it out. So the first thing we're doing those two, two main areas to, to, to advance the rare earths is securing more feed. And we're talking to people around the world. People know that we exist and are quite excited about having another opportunity for a processing of the monocyte sands that we're focused on uh, in the United States. Uh, and we're still uh, very aggressively uh, advancing our plans to do separation of separated oxides uh, at the White Mesa Mill. And uh, when we have those two uh, dots connected for investors, I believe we're gonna become a multi-billion dollar company very quickly. We still have work to do, it's not guaranteed, but that is the direction we're, we're, we're taking the company on the rare earth side while we're maintaining our uranium assets, readying them for going back into production uh, when the price of uranium gets back to a level that justifies doing that. Right, okay, so you, you, the, the end game here is to be able to separate on-site too. Obviously, process separation, fantastic. I mean, just actually before I move on to the question is, um, how many separation sites are there in the world? Obviously, you're working with NEO in Estonia, but what are the other options out there outside of China? Um, you've got separations being done by Linus in Malaysia, um, and then you have... Um, in China, I, I'm not sure how many sites there are actually in China, and I think in Thailand there's uh, some sites, but it's, it's quite limited. You know, when you look at in terms of you know, total um, separation capability, I think it's probably in the order of 80% in China alone uh, for doing the separation. So, you know, our, our, our goal is to, you know, as I said before, we want to be a material uh, supplier of rare earth products. Um, processed in the United States of America. And, uh, you know, we think that is just an exciting um, place to be. And, uh, you know, we're going to be patient. We're not trying to win the race in, in a month or, or even six months, but we are planning to be a major a contributor in those areas for rare products in the next probably two to three years. It's probably closer to three years, but that is rocket speed in the rare earth business. But you, you've, you've effectively been going through a pilot plant. I know White Mesa is not a pilot plant, but it, it's huge. But you've effectively been going through an optimization process, learning about how to process monocyte. I mean, what have you been learning? Well, you know, I, I've said we, we started off at lab scale, then we went to like one ton scale. Uh, you know, we're currently at 100 ton scale. <clears throat> I think this first batch we ran was around nearly 400 tons. So, you know, that's, that's not, uh, you know, really pilot plant scale. Uh, but now we're, we're, we're readying ourselves to move up to 1,000 ton scale for rare earth carbonate. And, and there is really no limitation on the amount of rare earth carbonate uh, that we can produce at White Mesa. I mean, the plant 
is licensed to produce around 700,000 tons a year, which would, you know, it, 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 we won't do that. But, you know, we're talking about, you know, 20, 30, 40,000 tons in time. That's our goal of um, a monazite feed. And, um, but then the other thing is, is that you only need so much rare earth carbonate. We need the ability to separate um, the rare earth carbonate at White Mesa and in conjunction, being able to separate at facilities like um, Neo's Silmet facility in Estonia. So, so there's still a lot of work to do because you got to be able to handle the product that you actually process um, in a sustainable way. So, but yeah, we are, we are scaling it up. We're getting all kinds of information on recoveries, reagent consumptions, quality. Um, it, it is a, a, a very unusual opportunity in itself, um, the way we're able to scale up White Mesa. Okay, so, but are you, are you starting to understand the, the economics or how the economics could work for you? Because as you say, you know, doing, doing a, a rare earth carbonate, it takes you to a certain okay point, but the separation is where the the, the money is for, for you guys potentially. So, and that we've talked in the past. That's 200, 250 million bucks. So, how do you get to a point where you can start to put from up on those economics to be able to make decisions about you know raising capital to be able to put the separation in place and give you an idea about timing? Yeah. Well, we're 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 doing a. Um initial scoping study with Carister's in France um, to get a better handle on what they think that the capital cost uh, would be for doing separations at White Mesa. Um, and so we really want to complete that and, and evaluate, um, you know, what their opinions are there um, uh, to figure out how to best go forward on the, on the separation front. Um, but as I said, we, we, we definitely need um more monazite feed. I mean, we probably need somewhere in the order of, of five uh, to 10,000 tons of, of monazite uh, to actually start constructing a separation plant, um, you know, just to get the economics of scale. So, uh, you know, we've got a, a bit of ways to go, but, you know, with the people we're talking to, um, you know, that is definitely in, in uh, uh, I believe, line of sight in the next year or so. Um, of securing that kind of feed. Uh, but in the meantime, we're going to be going uh, forward uh, with our plans to uh, design a separation plant, um, do whatever additional permitting might be required, and there may not be a lot required. So it's, there's a lot of moving parts here. Yeah, the, 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 there is. I, I, and I can understand the, the, the tension there. But monocyte, the access, accessibility of monocyte is not the issue for you, is it? I mean, how, how does that market work? I mean, why does it take a year within the next year? Why isn't it pick up a phone and just order it? How does it work? Yeah. Well, you know, a lot of the monazite that is being processed into rare earths right now is being processed by the Chinese. Um, there is monazite around the world in different shapes and forms and different qualities that, that may need some further beneficiation. Um, so we're just really kind of touching the tip of the iceberg of um, people that have monocyte um, and they'd like to, 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 to monetize it in different um, ways. So, uh, you know, we're, we're, we're looking at all options to supply monocyte uh, to the mill. There's no shortage of monocyte out there, um, but there is uh, sort of certain things that have to be done 
to, to secure it and get it on a boat uh, heading to the United States or in the case of Kimor's uh, ramping up their, their production capabilities or even Hyperion in Tennessee uh, getting their project permitted. So we're going to have to end up ultimately, just like the Chinese, having multiple suppliers. Um, you know, it could be five, six, seven, eight different suppliers providing monazite um, from different projects around the world. So is there ever a scenario that you can imagine where the Chinese just outbid you for, for monazite? Yeah, I mean, you know, that, that, that's a possibility. Um, I mean, I think that the, you know, the, the, the microscope is on the Chinese. When you look at, um, you know, the, the monazite out there in the world, there's really for CNNC, China and us. So if they were to outbid us, you know, on a, on a, in a sort of a controlling way, I think it'd be very, very apparent to the U.S. government, the Australian government, the Canadian government, and the European Union. So, you know, I, there would be some checks and balances, I believe, and I think it'd be very obvious. So, uh, you know, it's something we have to, you know, consider. But we're not trying to hurt the Chinese. We're not trying to put the Chinese out of business. The world is going to need all the rare earths the world can produce. So, um, you know, you know, our, our plan is just to, to be world competitive. So do you, do you think governments will step in if that was the case? Because we, 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 we talk every week about critical minerals and, uh, you know, mineral security and, you know, rare earths is, you know, top, top of the list there um, in, in, in a lot of governments' eyes. So do you think that they will step in? And do you think they'll be quick to step in? And what does that look like? Does it look like a bifurcated market? Do they put trade um, barriers in place? Do they put give you tax credits? I mean, what are you imagining? Look, we're imagining we're going to run our business on our own capabilities. We're not um, planning on government support of any kind. Uh, we might get some government support, but we, we base in our financial models and our um, our strategy on what we can do ourselves right now and looking out the next year or two. So, um, uh, yeah, number of uh, rare earth wannabes are saying, well, they're going to get government support and they'll get a premium and they'll get off take. And we don't have that in any of our models. Okay. So you're producing uh, rare earth um, carbonate. You are looking, you're doing scoping study on the separation plant. Um, you think that you can get monazite contracts secured in the next 12 months or so. Um, so how quickly do you think that you can become a self-contained unit doing processing and separating of rare in the US? Is it, yeah. is it five well, years? Well, again, it'll, it'll happen in, in steps, but, um, you know, I think it, you know, two to three years, probably close to three years for full integration uh, and separating lights and heavies at White Mesa. Um, so, you know, that's just an estimate. We've got to get more um, details, but it will be quicker, faster and lower cost than anybody else. Well, that, there's the thing. That's the thing that's always intri intrigued me here, because to build these typically, we're talking hundreds of millions of dollars at the, at the, at the top end of that. Why is it, why is it cheaper for you guys? Well, we've got an existing facility that's that's 100% paid for. It's already doing the crack and leach. We think we can scale up the crack and leach with limited capital investment. Uh, the, 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 the big lift is really on the separation plant. 
Uh, but again, it's on an existing uh, site um, operating in the state of Utah with, um, uh, you know, very good um, skill sets for running uh, solvent extraction, uh, very good structures on cost of living uh, and on power um, central to the United States. You know, there's a lot of factors here and, and, and this is a real, really important part here. We want the uranium. We can monetize uranium and potentially in time, we might also be able to get some value out of the thorium. So, you know, we offer something that uh, based on where we are located, the facilities we have, our desire to have as much uranium as this monazite has, um, and being able to uh, potentially um, get some benefit out of the thorium, it, it's it's an exceptional opportunity. Yeah, Mark. Well, we still have work to do. We still have work to do, Matt. Oh, it's not over until it's over. But, um, you know, it, there's a lot of pieces of this puzzle. But, um, you know, it is, it is um, you know, work in progress. And I think when the market finally understands it and sees the progress, uh, as we continue to make rapid progress, as we have in the last 15 months or so, um, I think the market will figure us out. Just it's kind of just coming full circle on the conversation. Are you guys getting approached by um, any of the uranium buyers in, ter in terms of the utilities? Are they coming and talking to you or is it still very much hands off? Are you hearing anything? Uh. We, we, we do get, you know, some requests for proposals, you know, every couple weeks or something. Um, you know, we always, you know, um, bid it uh, with, with pricing that we need or uh, the proper return on, on our producing newly mined uh, uranium. Um, and uh, we continue to not get, get uh, those awards because the utilities are still, you know, looking for what's available. Um, you know, from other sources um, at prices that, you know, are in the orders of what you see published prices. So, um, you know, so I think there's, um, uh, you know, certainly an increased awareness. Um, I think I think this focus on reducing carbon emissions has been very positive for the utilities. Um, you know, I'm excited that, that they're seeing uh potential support maybe from the government or their local communities to keep these reactors going and the small reactors. But right now, um, low prices seem to win uh, every day when it comes to, you know, where people are going to purchase uranium. Uh, it's always going to be the lower price structures that are currently um, below the cost of replacement. Geez, this buying that's been, I know we talked about it a little bit last time when we spoke, but all this buying that's been going on by companies and obviously, you know, Sprott's doing its thing with, you know, obviously with now the UPC under its control. Has it made a damn bit of difference to utility buyers? Because, you know, Sprott's, what is it, 18.2 million pounds of, of U308 and about 300,000 of UF6. It, it, it's in the, cons it, you know, in the context of 200 million pounds worth of uh, uranium used each year. It's not a lot. So these are, these, are, these are just small movements. Is it more about sentiment or is it going to take something much, much bigger? Do we need to continue supply yeah, destruction look, from COVID? Yeah, look, as I said, I, I think it, it makes sense for um, you know, a number of people that have bought uranium. And, and as I said, the replacement value is 
is substantially higher um, than what people are buying at. So, you know, I think it is a good investment when you look at, you know, what a limited return people are going to get if they've got money in the banks drawing interest. Um, you know, it's probably better to have physical uranium. Um, yeah, it hasn't moved the needle um, in any material way when it comes to the overall pricing spot or term, um, you know, but it's it, it certainly isn't hurting things. I think it still puts us in a better position in the future. But you've heard me say this before, speculative buying also results in speculative selling. You know, people will sell this product at some stage and some that might buy it at $30. And if it gets to 40, 45, they may decide they're going to sell it. So, um, so yeah, we just kind of watch the space. But uh, as long as there's growth in nuclear power and, and there's new reactors being constructed and, and some of these reactors that are kind of on, um, you know, on the fence, whether they stay open or not, uh, if they get support and stay open, you know, that all bodes well for the future. Have you noticed that the Australian uranium equities have taken a, a bit of a kick to the teeth in the past three weeks? I mean, more so than the North Americans. Is that just a dent of size of the company, size of the market? Or is it, or is again, there's our narrative going on that North America is, is better, safer investment? You know, I, I don't know, Matt. Um, you know, the equity markets kind of move as the equity markets move. So, um, you know, the Australian uh, uh, uranium companies, I think, got a sort of a, a, a greater lift in the last uh, three, four months than, than a lot of the, the North American equity. So, look, I don't know why and how and, and, and exactly how it works, but but yeah, they, they seem to got hit recently, but I think they got quite a boost um, earlier in the year, uh, maybe a little bit ahead of others in North America. Okay, well, look, Mark, as I say, markets move in mysterious ways. Um, thanks very much for helping us understand a little bit better about why you um, did that, uh, that that deal with ICU and obviously the update on what's happening with, with NEO. Uh, stay in touch, let us know how you get on with um, your plans for the rest of this year. Thank you, Matt. It's going to be an exciting year and we've got a lot going on. Thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed the interview, why not subscribe to Cruxcast or our website, cruxinvestor.com, and of course, our YouTube channel, Crux Investor. Plus, you can catch us most days on Twitter and LinkedIn. We really love getting your feedback, so please keep it coming, and we'll speak to you again soon.